go, last installment of the Cantaloupe Stewardship Series. We've been talking about being a good steward. We talked about being a good steward of our gifts, of our talents. We talked about being a good steward of our relationships, our relationship with God. We talked about being a good steward of our time, our money, and our eternal resting place. If you haven't been here in a while, check out some of those messages because it's... Um, it's pretty neat and challenging, actually, and that's, that's what God wants to do with us in our own life. And then last week, we talked about being a good steward of God's love. And so I'm, I'm studying for this message, and I'm writing a bunch of stuff down. And if you're here last week, I'm, I'm redundant. But I called Raina. I was like, there's too much here to get into one message. And she's like, hey, you know what? Why don't just preach on God's love again? And I'm like, you really think people want to hear about God's love again? She's like... <laughs> Cantaloupe stewardship. And so here's, here's the idea. What's inside a cantaloupe? Nice. You guys are on point. I got a little table with a little plate and a dull knife. But what else is inside a cantaloupe? And if I want another cantaloupe at some point, what do I have to do? you got to plant some seeds and some good soil. And so we talked about how, where are we planting the seeds of our time, our money, our resource, our gifts, our talents. And, and then you, you come to a place of, is the church of today sowing the seeds, being a good steward of God's love in our community, in our workplace, in, in all that is around us? See, because God left his love with us. Let's look at these two scriptures right here. Romans 14, 12. And all of you, if you've attended the last four weeks, should be able to quote this by now. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Romans 14, 12. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. I'm going to stand before God one day, and I'm going to have to give an account. I'm going to have to say, you know what, God? This is what I did with the life he gave me, because remember, God's gift to us is our life. What we do with our life is our gift to God. That's a scary thought, isn't it? But if you believe that everything you have comes from God, it changes the way you live. So we're going to have to give an account. And then look at this next scripture that we based this series off of. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So in other words... I could have a watermelon up here. I could have an apple up here. I mean, cantaloupes are just easier to get this time of year. But what, whatever I sow, whatever seed that I sow, that's what I'm going to get back. And so if I'm sowing God's love into those that God has entrusted to me, to my coworkers, to my family, to my spouse, then, then I'm going to reap a harvest of love. But the question is this, are we really doing that? Is the church of today really doing that? Are we really sowing love? In, because I would submit to you, and I'm glad Coastline isn't like this, but the church abroad in America today is known more for what they're against than what they're for. And again, it doesn't mean that we're going we're to argue this book, right? This book is perfect. The Bible is true. 
We're, we're not going to flail and say, uh, but just because I love someone that's in a lifestyle that's different than this book doesn't mean I approve of their lifestyle. It simply means that God called me to love them because God loved me one day. God loved me when I was unlovable. Let's define stewardship. Stewardship defined. The position and duties of a steward, a person who acts as the surrogate of another or others, especially by managing property, financial affairs, and estate. The responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving. Wow. Think about that just for a second. I, I believe that God's love, I know that God's love in my own life has changed me so dramatically over the years that it's, it's worth caring for and preserving. And it's worth sharing. Because here's the idea. We could come in here this morning, talk about being in Katy, missionaries, and we support them. And some of you guys will probably even go beyond that. And we can do a lot of good things, and we can have great kids' ministries. We can say, I went to church today. I actually haven't missed in a month which none of you can say that, I assure you. <laughs> or we would be in six services right now. But, but without sowing the seeds of God's love, what have we done? What have we really done? And it's his love that changed us, and it's his love that's going to use us to change the world. God is, let's read Corinthians right here. If I speak in the tongues of men, are of angels, but do not have love. I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If you were here last week, you saw the date Raina and I had with the cymbal. If you weren't, it has gone viral, so you can find it somewhere. I had people from Memphis calling me going, hey, I listened to the message. Where can I get the video? Seriously. I'm just going to see Anthony banging on something and Raina trying to tell me. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Wow. We're going to focus in on that verse 7 today. We're going to talk about how love protects. God is love. Love protects. God is love. Love trusts. God is love. Love hopes. God is love. Love perseveres. Learn something today, would you? Take some notes, because we got a lot of scripture in this message, and, and we're, we're going to work through it. Love protects. It always protects. Psalms 32, 7 says this, You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. How many of us in this room right now would say, and maybe even this week, had a day where you just needed God's protection over your I'm at the right church. <laughs> yeah. Over our spirits, over our minds, over our beings, over our children. 
You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. A hiding place. Remember last week we talked about in the cleft of the rock? Crawling up under God's presence and just resting? Because most of us are driven people, and so we can take care of it. We'll get her done. I don't need help. Leave me alone. It's going to be okay. And then God's like, okay. And then we hit a place in our life where we're, you know what? I, I, God, I guess I do need you. I need to hide. You're my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs. In other words, God, you're going to hide me. You're going to protect me. And somewhere along the way, there's going to be a song in my heart. Look at 2 Timothy right here, 4.18. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. What a gift we have in God. He protects us. We don't understand God's timing. Have you ever tried to realize God's timing? Have you ever told God his timing was his watch was wrong? Seriously, have you, have you ever done that? God, you, like you must have had a power failure in heaven because that, that clock's blinking and you should have already done what I thought you were going to do, but you haven't done it yet, but you're going to do it. God loves a surly child. He loves Christians. That, I'm telling you, he loves Christians that will argue with him because when you argue with somebody, you've got to talk to them, and when you talk to them, all you're doing is praying. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. We don't understand God's timing, but the word of God right here tells us that at some point we're going to be delivered from this earth and from this earthly body, and we're going to meet our Savior in heaven. He's going to deliver us from here to there. That's Christianity. That's, that's not warm and fuzzy like, oh, my gosh, you're telling me I'm going to die? Yeah, you're going to die. Sorry to tell you that. We all do. But in the meantime, God's going to keep me until he delivers me into his heavenly kingdom. Protection. Protection. Pray protection. So, so here's the idea. That's God is love. Love protects. Now, let's move this into another area and, and look at this next scripture right here out of Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, this, I'm just going to slide into an area right here of protecting those that we love, that we say we love. And I'm, I'm really going to hone in right here on parents. How many of you are parents? Grandparents? Okay. Grandparents can't get too nosy, but they can say a few things here and there. You got to be careful. Let me ask you a question, parents, in this room right now. That when, when's the last time that you really, 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 really prayed protection over your kids? Prayer works. I'm talking about bare bones, get down, dirty, and praying, pleading the blood of Jesus over your kids, over your grandkids. Pray, not talking about them, not worrying about them, not saying, I wish they would do this, I wish they would do that, but praying. Praying for their heart. When's the last time, for those of you who have kids in, in this room right now that have a phone, 
which now almost every kid, I think I was, I was looking at Coconut Hut, which is I think four and five. Is that four and five? I don't know. Either way, nobody, three and four. I saw a little kid back there with an iPhone. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. But, but, but listen, but for those of us in, in this room right now that, that have kids that are old enough to have a phone, when's the last time you picked up their phone and looked at what they were watching, what they were listening to, what, yeah, I mean, like, this may be old-fashioned, and forgive me, when's the last time that you took the remote and said, you know what, that's too edgy, we're going to turn that off? Because it's way easier to go into the other den that you have and leave your kids in the other room and let them do what they're ever going to do so they don't bother you. Because you had a long day. I only got three of those and I got three services. <laughs> Love protects. We are charged as Christians in the word of God to guard our children's heart. My kids will tell you, in, in this, if I've told you this before, Rain and I did enough wrong stuff. We did a few things right. But they will tell you, hands down, they would get so mad at me and, and, and Raina, when we would say, we got to turn this off. We, or, or we're in the car. You can't listen to this. We're not listening to this. We're, we're you know, my kids are grown now, so, but it, it's, they would tell you that made them so, but they would both tell you that they respect that now that they're grown. They would both say, you know what? I really respect my mom and dad for holding the line. And again, you know, it's old-fashioned, I know. Cause, but you know what? It's, it's real. Love protects. You, listen, you, if you're a parent in this room right now and you're trying to be your kid's best friend, and they're under 16, 17, you can give it up. We're not called to be their best friend. There's some teenagers in here right now that are getting so pissed off at me. <laughs> they're getting really upset with me right now. We're not called, you know, I'm in a season of life now, which is awesome because Rain and I are friends with our kids. Like we're on the back side of that. And so that's a lot of fun. We're not called to be their best friend. We're called to be their protector. Guard their heart. Pay attention to what you're listening to on the radio when they're in the back seat. Pay attention to what is actually going on on the TV while you're vegging out on your phone responding to emails because you had a busy day. Love, God is love. Love protects. Right? Wow. Number two. Love trust. It always protects and always trust. Who knew one verse could teach us so much? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Trust is a two-way road with God. Trust is a two-way road because... I have to put my trust in him, and in return, when I put my trust in him, he then directs my life, shows me where to go, shows me what decisions to make. Listen, some of you guys in here are in business, in sales, ladies that are running businesses, you, 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 all, you, you get so tied up 
in leaning on your own understanding. I've seen this before. This is how I'm going to drive this deal. This is how I'm going to work this thing. And we never stop to think, wait a minute, maybe I should pray. Maybe I should put my trust in God because his word says he's going to make my path straight. Trust is a two-way street. I dare you this week to wake up tomorrow and, and live seven days and put all your trust in God for every decision, for every problem, for every deficit, for every, everything that you have to do this week. I dare you to trust God. Put your trust in God. I, I tried to find a video, but I couldn't. But you know the, the old, there's been tons of commercials about this, but you know the, the kid jumping off a pier into the father's arms that don't know how to swim? Or the mom's arms. You know what I'm talking about? You've never seen this before? You've never seen a video of a kid jumping off. Rick, help me out. Okay, all right. If Rick's seen it, the rest of you have, I assure you. But, but and it all, make, it all makes us feel good, right? Because we all remember what it was like to have to trust. And then we all remember what it is to be trusted. Here's the problem. We all know what it's like to lose trust. And we all know what it's like to forget how to trust. Look, look at this next scripture right here. All this is from God who reconciled us himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You say, Jason, what in the world does that have to do with trust? It has a lot to do with trust. God put his trust in us and gave us the opportunity to put our trust back in him. We've been reconciled back to God through Jesus. Through Jesus Christ, we've been reconciled back to God. And so if God went through all of that for us, how dare us say, you know what, I can't trust again. I can't trust anymore. I've been done wrong so many times, I don't trust anybody. Some of you, some of you in this room right now, some of us, we have a hard time with trust because of what we've been through. And you say, you know, I just don't, my husband let me down so many times, I just don't know if I can trust him again. Well, maybe he needs to earn that trust back, but he can't earn that trust back unless you give him a chance to earn it back. Well, you just don't know what that church did, and I just can't trust churches anymore. Well, I don't know what they did, but at some point you've got to trust again. God is love, love, trust. God trusts us so much so that he reconciled us back to him so that now if there's someone in your life at this very moment, there's someone in your life today at this very moment that you just can't trust anymore, I dare you to pray for them. doesn't mean you open them, fly the door back open and let them do you wrong again. doesn't mean, but I dare you to pray for them. Pray for them to the point where you're praying protection over them and then get to a point where you're, you're at the place where, you know what, let's have lunch or let's have coffee and get to the where you trust it. God is love, love, trust. And so if we're stewards of God's love and we're sowing seeds of God's love, we have to be beings of trust. Does that make sense? 
I mean, that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God trusts us. And maybe there's some people that we need to be reconciled back to by trusting again. Not, nah, don't get me wrong. Don't be a doormat. Don't be a doormat for someone. Don't enable someone's dysfunction. But at some point, we, we can't lose trust in people. Right? We got to see the good. Number three. Three. There you go. Love hopes. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes. Love hopes. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a what? Hope and a future. We all know this scripture. We talk about it a lot. Jeremiah 29, 11. Underline it in your Bible. Put it in your phone. For I know the plans I have for you. This is God, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That hope is Jesus Christ. That hope. So God is love. Love hopes. God is hoping for you today. I mean, you may be at the bottom of the barrel and really struggling with things going on in your life and decisions that you have to make. But look, this, this is where the Bible says God's hoping for you because God is love and love hopes. Romans 5 says it this way. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character. And hope does not put us to shame because love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given has been given to us. In Romans 5, 1 through 5, is a, it's a life passage for my wife and I, for our family. I mean, it's, it's so ingrained in me. And when I think about hoping, I can't get beyond this scripture. And hope does not put us to shame. One version says, hope does not disappoint. And aren't we disappointed in life? Here's the point here. The idea is, have you lost hope in an area of your life? Have you lost hope for people in your life? Because if you have, I just want to be a, a, a mouthpiece to say this, hope again. Hope again. Yeah. Just keep, I mean, hope, hope. I'm going to die hoping. I'm going to die hoping for God's will and the people around me that, 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 that I love. Hope. Keep on. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It talks about sufferings, perseverance, character. And that produces hope in us. Hope is not produced by a fluffy, fluffy, wonderful life. Hope is not produced by floating around and everything's perfect and I have no problems and I am good and they're good and everything's good. Hope is produced by suffering, perseverance, and then that character produces a hope. We've talked about this before. 
I, I love being around people who've been around the tree a few times. Right? I, I love that. That's why some of you in this room, not calling you old, but some of you should come to the 1130 service because there's no one over 40 in that service. Well, there's a few people, but you need to get to know some of those young people who don't have any idea what's going on in life right now. <laughs> Just say it. But once you've been around the tree a few times, it produces in you a character that produces hope for someone else. But we can't lose hope. No matter what you're going through today, no matter what situations are happening in your life, no matter how far maybe your kids are from God or how bad your marriage is or how bad financial situation that you're in, you cannot lose hope because hope doesn't disappoint. Keep hoping. Keep going. Keep hope. Get up, dress up, show up. That's my motto every day. Get up, dress up, show up. Showing up's half the battle. And hope Hope, hope against hope. Hope. Don't lose hope. Don't do it. Hope is the oxygen of the human soul. We've talked about this many times, and we'll talk about it many more times because it's so important to our lives. You've got to keep hoping. And hope comes from what? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. We just sang that song at the end. Come, Holy Spirit. There's some days where you can't hope for yourself, but the Holy Spirit can hope for you. It says it right there. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So when you don't think you can hope anymore, get on your knees, shut the door, turn the phone off, and say, God, I'm in a place where I can't even hope. Could you hope for me? It'll happen. Because of the Holy Spirit. That's what he does for you. He's our counselor. He's our guider. He's our encourager. He hopes for us when we can't hope. Last thing, number four. Love perseveres. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Wow. Look, look at this scripture in Corinthians, or Galatians, I'm sorry. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Man, you might be here today. And I'm in the same boat with you, not today, but I have been over years of my life. And you just feel like quitting. You just feel like quitting, right? Like, what is all this really worth anyway? Why am I, like, why, what am, I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to quit on my family. I'm going to quit on my job. Um, I'm just going to quit. Can I just tell you today, perseverance, we just saw in Romans, love perseveres. And I know a lot of you, and I know there's love in your heart. And if you lean on that love, the love of God, and you don't quit, if you don't quit, you can't lose. If you don't quit, you can't lose. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I think about perseverance. God is love. Love perseveres. So love don't quit. Think about that, Andrew. Love doesn't quit. If God is love and love perseveres, love doesn't quit. There's no, there's no quitting in love. There's no quitting. You can't quit. You've got to persevere. You've got to keep going. You've got you to move on. 
tell you, I'm looking at Ben and Katie standing up here today. I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, how many times did I feel like quitting youth ministry? Because these demonic teenagers. <laughs> so true, I'm telling you. Like, I, I'm going to go back to my business that I had left. I'm going to go back and do whatever I was doing before because I got to punch in and punch out, and I made a lot more money doing that than I was making doing that. But here's the thing. I'm looking at them, and they're, they got two kids now, which is just like Anthony and Brooke have two kids. Crazy. But you know what? They're going to do something great with their life. And I'm, I'm not taking any credit in that. All I'm saying is I didn't quit. I am taking credit in the fact that I didn't kill Ben. <laughs> Testimony to that. And here we sit all these years later, and they're going to India to minister to kids, plant churches. If we don't grow weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. If we do not, and then you think about perseverance. Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus won the victory for us, right? Jesus, Jesus persevered. Even when he was weak, even when he was in the garden and said, look, if this cup can pass from me, God, please let it pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. I, I have such a hard time with people being shy about the name of Jesus. He's my hero. He, he is the manliest man that ever walked the face of this earth. He carried his own cross. He was crucified for me. And, and then this is what Ephesians says that Jesus did for us. And watch this. If you're sleeping, wake up, because this is good. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Talking about Jesus. Now watch this. We can read that, and we can be like, you know what? It, it, that doesn't really make much sense to me. Okay, what are you talking about? He ascended on high. We know Jesus ascended, and then... He, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. One verse says, he took captivity captive. Check this out. In that day and time, when Paul's writing this, he's trying to relate to the people he's writing to. So a king would go out and fight, and they would conquer. Come on, learn something. They would conquer and when they conquered the people and the people surrendered, the king would then get in front of a line and all the captives would be behind him. And he would go back to his own city, walk through the gates of his own city with all of the captives behind him. Right? They're all by and so they would have a train that would not a literal train, obviously, a train of camels, if you will, and they would lead the captives to the city and people would cheer for the king. That's the context of this verse. They would cheer for the king and they would cheer for the victory. So Paul's saying that's what Je Jesus Christ took captivity captive. So if you're here today and, and, and you're, you feel like you're captive in an area of your life, can I just tell you, you're one prayer away, you're one hope away, you're just one step away, keep on going, don't quit, keep fighting. Because Jesus Christ already won the battle for us. He took captivity captive. He took sin. He, he conquered death. He conquered the grave. He already won the battle. Why do we keep trying to fight the battle? The battle's already been won. Yeah. 
It's, it's done. It's absolutely done. Maybe you're here today and say, Jason, you know what? I am, I'm captive to sin because I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. That's where I'm at right now. Or maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm, I'm captive to an area of my... Jesus Christ took all the sin from humanity to the cross. And when he was nailed to that cross and when he said, it is finished, I can assure you, it was finished. And when he rose out of that grave and ascended to heaven, he took, he took sin captive. He took it captive. A king, our king, fought the battle for us. And when he ascended, he took sin captive. And then, he's so good, he gave many gifts. And the main gift that he gave was reconciliation, the opportunity to be at peace with God. Salvation. The main gift he gave. Bow your heads all in this place before we dismiss. Say, Jason, I'm here today, and I'm I don't I'm not at peace with God. I'm not at peace with God, and I know that. And now I'm realizing that the reason I'm not at peace with God is because I've never put my faith in Jesus Christ. If that's you, what a great day to do that. What a great day to be at peace with God. What a great night you'd have tonight laying your head on a pillow and just being at peace with God. And the Bible says the only way you can do that is putting your faith in Jesus Christ. A relationship with Jesus. We don't preach religion here. We preach relationship. I want to pray with you if that's you. I want you to do something for me. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up. In just a second, slip your hand up. It's long enough for me to see it and put it right back down. I see your hand. Go ahead. I, I need Jesus in my life. I see your hand. Thanks. I, I, I thank you. That's awesome. I need to be at peace with God. What a great, great, I see your hand. That's, a, that's awesome. I love it when people, are make, they're not even shy. They're just going to the ceiling with their hands. I'm making this commitment right now. Anyone else? Need to make that decision today. If, if you raised your hand, would you pray with me? Just right where you're sitting. You don't have to get up, don't have to move. Just in your heart, pray this prayer with me. There's nothing magical about this prayer. It's you've already, by virtue of you admitting that you need a relationship with God and peace with God by raising your hand, God's already working in your heart right now. And when the service is over today, go out to the tent on the east lawn, get a Bible, get some information about getting baptized, talk to someone if you want to. But pray, pray with me. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for chasing me. God, thank you that I'm in this place today. And right now, at this very moment, I'm admitting in my heart, God, that I, I know that I need Jesus in my life. And I'm confessing in my heart. And I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, that Jesus Christ took my death and sin on the cross, that he was placed in a grave, he rose from that grave on the third day. And I believe with all my heart, he's coming back to me one day. God, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that are flooding my soul right now. And thank you that I'm at peace with you because of this decision I'm making. For people around me that help me in this journey, I know it's not going to be easy, but I'm going to commit in my heart not to quit. In Jesus' name, amen.